0: Hey, you're listening to The Credit Roll, an original podcast by Jamun. I'm a Beneath the Filmmaker, and like a lot of you tuning in, I'm looking to get better at what I do. In every episode of this show, I'll be speaking with professionals in the Indian film industry, discussing their journey, their process, and all the struggles they faced along the way. Today I have the privilege of speaking to Tess Joseph. She's worked as a casting director and in the casting department of a number of titles you'll likely recognize, like The Namesake, The Darjeeling Limited, Life of Pi, Lion, and more recently Aladdin, Ye Ballet and Extraction, among many, many more. This is a really really impressive and amazing filmography. And on top of this, you're also the director of Commune in India. So I'm really, really excited to talk to you today, Tess. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Abhineet. Wow, I feel it's really strange because you can't see me beaming like an idiot right now because (laughs) you've introduced me as though I'm some, I'm a very cool person, which I'm not.
0: (laughs) You are, you are. Like I said, this is a phenomenal filmography. So Let's dig right in. I want to start off with just the basics. What is a casting director and what do they do?
1: My favorite line to describe a casting director is really someone who's an alchemist, right? Like you are, you are creating alchemy because most of the times we are in a place where there are only three people on board and that would be a producer, maybe, but a writer and a director. That's how early on we kind of get on the ship of this film being made. And uh, you need a little bit of alchemy because sometimes it's not just about saying, oh, you read the script and you're looking at like the biggest name who could possibly do it because a lot of the films that we do and all the, me- all the films that you mentioned right now have this varied mix of uh, known actors, absolutely unknown and completely fresh off the street, street casting, real people playing, Possibly the, the natural roles that they play. So I do think as a casting actor, one, uh, begin at the very top. You've got to love actors, consume them, have an eye for talent. But more than anything, you need to understand uh, where the world of the script kind of starts meeting the realm of reality and film. So you kind of become this uh, little bridge between both because you're the first person who gets to show the director what their film might potentially, you know, look and sound like. And so, yeah, you're really an alchemist in many ways, but you're a very strong, you're a very strong and early collaborator to the film process.
0: I see. You know, I also wanted to ask you, what does the director part of casting director entail?
1: Most of the times in the early processes of casting, the director is not in the room so you're wearing that cap and you're playing with performance you're molding you it's like you know having a, a piece of clay and really working with it but your major goal in many ways is to elevate the actor in the room it's all about them and not about you and i think the directing is that you're trying to get the best possible performance out of each person who walks into your room hoping to get this part
0: okay so in a sense knowing techniques behind directing actors is a huge part of the job absolutely right and who are you working most closely with as a casting director
1: in everything that I have done so far um almost 80 percent of the time the director himself and then in in 20 percent of the case you know especially with a lot of the foreign work that we're doing uh, which is uh, You know, very early days we come on, you're casting alongside your producer or the studio and the showrunner slash writer.
0: Okay, so you're essentially working with the main creative heads of the production. Mm -hmm. And before we dig any deeper, I wanted to ask you, what drew you to casting and the world of filmmaking to begin with?
1: I think naturally I'm a person who's always loved performance. Uh, I was... um, like the best, weirdly enough, in my time, I had, I won all the awards for extracurricular when I was in school. I was always on a debate team. I was writing the school plays, etc. But when when you're growing up in the 80s and 90s, and the early 2000s, you know, this this was not a career. You looked at it as a hobby, as something you did for fun, you know, while you studied to become something else. And uh, I luckily did communications. I went on to do television and I was actually producing and directing for television. And then really by Serendipity, I turned up on namesake. And I will say that Meera and Dinaz and Harish, these were the three people who took a chance on me and said, you know, I think she's got something and maybe we should let her try this. And it worked. Clearly. Because I gave up everything after that and decided to do this whole time.
0: <laughs> okay, and I'm curious then, how did you learn everything you did about casting? Is there like an example of a situation that may have taught you a lot about the process?
1: Uh, my first time ever doing scene work was with Mira, where I was the reader in the room with her and helped, you know, just, but watching her do that, where suddenly you see this person whose name is XYZ completely transform into a character from a different time in a different place because of a their own talent and b a director just kind of like holding their hand and saying, Oh, you could come a little, you could, yeah, you could. And that's a really lovely feeling. And I think watching that has been instrumental. And I realized that, wow, this is, this is something that you can really play with. It's like, you could you know it's like tuning something right if 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 you know a musical instrument it's that tuning it's a little more a little less and and you got to keep doing it till it's just right so i watch that i've read a lot i keep reading uh, books on method so whether it's you know ranging all the way back from Stanislavski to uh, Larry David, to Uta Hagen, you know, to anybody who's writing interesting things. Like right now I'm reading a book by Michael Beckett, which takes Zen and uh, the technique of acting and has done their class notes, uh, taking stories and then acting as a technique and playing out scenarios in them. And it's absolutely beautiful. Um, uh, There's another great book, which I think is, a great one to read called auditions. It's really about stage, but it does give you an insight. So I'm constantly reading because I think that otherwise, what, how am I empowered enough to help someone do their best?
0: Right, right. So from what I'm gathering, in addition to being able to direct actors, understanding the craft of acting itself is essential to being a good casting director as well. Absolutely. Okay, and is there any kind of course that exists out there dedicated to teaching the casting process?
1: So the really interesting thing is in the midst of this entire crazy lockdown, the first ever casting directors, I think it's a certificate course, and it's with the National Film and Television School in UK, in London. And uh, it's got great people on. It's uh, It's been um, kind of mentored by people like Gina Jay and Shaheen Beg, who are literally stalwarts if you want to look at people with journeys and casting and who have given us so many actors so yeah this is the first I am more than sure we will have a you know a version of the, I'm sure you know FTI and be it SR, FTI, but the film schools in India will will also follow suit and soon enough we'll have courses here
0: okay so from here I want to get a little bit more specific and talk about your process as a casting director. Let's look at each stage of production and how you fit into that. So let's say you're signed on to a project and you've got a script. What's the first thing that you do? So the first
1: thing I do is, of course, read the script. And um, there are two, two, three things to kind of keep in mind is that you read the script and almost naturally, because we're in this world, people will kind of like, start jumping off the page for you saying, oh my God, it'd be so nice to see this person in this role and see this person in this role. And uh, put that all down. Put it all down in a note. And then think of all the most unlikely people you could see in those roles. So one of the things we do as a team is that I have two associates who are the most senior. So all three of us will read and everyone will make their own notes for let's say the top 10 characters in the script. And everyone comes together and it's great fun because, you know, somebody will think of um, their names are Rahul and Mehvash. So, you know, Rahul will think of somebody I didn't think of. Mehvash will think of somebody that Rahul didn't think of. And then suddenly we've kind of populated this mad list of, you know, literally 30 and 40 names sometimes to each character. That's fun. It's like, you know, it's like playing this this game of almost trivia meets a jigsaw puzzle where you're where you're using information that you've got sometimes scripts have very specific um you know physical details to a person and i always say like we should be the, we should always be the casting directors who challenge that a little there's nothing like being surprised there's nothing like having an unlikely person come in and take a part and you're like, wow, never imagined. I love it when a director says, "Wow, I never imagined it that way, but that is brilliant. Also think one of the beauties of, uh, you know, being really diverse with casting and it's great that that's a mantra now that we're all constantly saying to ourselves. So it's in our psyche all the time
0: is that nothing
1: should prevent you. no, there should be no, like, you shouldn't be not calling someone because, you know what, but the characters written as from this place, why would we call someone from another place? So like, And I'll give the yeah. example, like, in Extraction, the characters were written as Bengali and slash Bangladeshi, and we said, oh, we must find everyone from the East to do these roles. And the moment we broke out of that shell, we just found the best actors to do that.
0: Okay, I see. So you really have to be like willing to take risks instead of playing it safe. And it's in that risk that you may discover someone who makes a character come to life. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned you have this long list of 40 or so actors. What comes after that?
1: Sometimes directors are really fun and they're happy to go through 30 and 40 names with you. Um, on, on most of the foreign films, I think what's brilliant is that uh, you can just test everyone, right? So what we will do is that I think literally look at that list and look at the top 10 or 15 who were on maybe everyone's list. And we really are excited. Like, you know, everyone picks their, no, but I'm really excited about this person. I'm really excited about that person. And you put them down. And then you populate another five to 10 people who you would normally not put on that list. And um, you kind of know within the first lot of tapes or the first two lot of tapes, what your director's leaning towards in two ways. In terms of performance and in terms of look and feel, you kind of get that. You get you get into a place where you've started having that discussion. You know, uh, you know, like some because directors sometimes have these. They are married to these ideas, right? Of these characters who they've been living and breathing for not one day or two days or one year, but for years on end, right? Along with the writer, and even to bring someone gently out of that takes a while, right? Right. Then sometimes we end up, you know, like sometimes we've cast one person. We've already got, say, uh, the main protagonist, who's a little boy in it, and everyone else then has to be built around that. So I think, you know, that's like why I say, like, it's it's like this beautiful mix of, you know, uh, being a detective, doing trivia on people, finding out stuff, doing this like detective research work, coming up with a mad list, and then putting together a jigsaw puzzle where every piece has to fit.
0: Yeah, I imagine it might be easier if you have one person already cast for a role, because then you could work off of that, right? I'm not going to agree to that one. Okay, okay. <laughs> I I was just assuming there. And why why would you not agree, though?
1: Because it's... Okay, let me give an example, which is fun. Okay, they've cast someone, he's 6'3", and now we know that nobody under the height of, say five eight can play anything next to him
0: okay so it limits your options essentially
1: it does and then the fun of just being able you know to just go into it and and not have any restrictions because you know restrictions are going to happen as soon as you start casting you know one actor restrictions will happen so that initial joy is just it's mad crazy fun
0: Right, okay, and how much of that initial phase is about contacting agencies and the agents of actors and all of that
1: so in India the um, just to give you a sense of what the agent manager system is, it's mostly for uh, I almost say known actors so you've got you've already got a certain portfolio of work, which is why you don't have to be some i like you know in india they they, they use the term superstar and this that. You don't have to be a superstar to get an agent, but you've got to have a portfolio of work. And then certain agencies are, agencies are, you know, they, they have focuses. Now that focus has changed a bit, but it used to be like, you knew this agency really looked at like people from the digital OTT space. You knew this agency looked at top, you know, the blockbuster film, most popular hits, those main actors only. You knew these, there were niches that agencies represented. Um, For example, one would be just, you know, completely new talent, but all who would be potential for the pageant shows, right? So, you know, they, they all have a physicality to them. They're all in a certain age group. They've been grooming these girls and boys since, you know, college. And they've moved up because they want to be in, you know, national and international pageants. So mm-hmm. this, there used to be this very strong focus. Now, of course, that's kind of broadened out. And I think that every agency wants to have a portfolio where uh, it's the kind of talent that they feel they can best represent and they can put forward for different things. But there is still a huge rung of people who do not have representation at all, who fall under this system of which is still very much prevalent in India called the coordinator system, which is just a person who knows how to make a
0: bunch of calls out or send a WhatsApp out. Right, I see. And getting into the audition phase now, what's a typical day like during auditions?
1: I'm a person who doesn't deal well with, and this is a very, very personal thing that I don't deal well with people waiting. Or feeling rushed. I don't like those two feelings. So normally for us, the max that we would do in a day is six to eight auditions when we are doing any of the main leads, secondaries, and tertiary characters. Because their average auditioning time would be anything between 30 minutes to 45 minutes. And I want people to leave, A, thinking that they've done the best that they can, be that we have, and there's a great Indian word, nichorod, which is when you wring clothes, you know, yes. and you, when yeah. your clothes are wet and you wash them and your dryer is not working and you got to wring them by hand. So you've them till you have like the best and all possibilities, and then you let them go. Because yeah. uh, my, when I'm taping an actor, I also assume that that tape that I do is good for at least the year. I don't have to put them back on tape for a year because I could use this tape literally to get them cast in something else also because we have enough.
0: Right, I see. That's actually really comforting to hear, I think, because most of the depictions I've seen of the casting process in movies and TV shows are incredibly rushed, right? So much so that the casting director isn't even willing to give as much attention to each person as they should. So it's good to hear you actually give each person the time that they deserve. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so while we're talking about additions, I wanted to ask you on a basic level, what are you looking for when casting an actor or actress? Like, what are your red flags and what makes you sit up and notice talent?
1: So the one thing I want to say is that casting directors, and I think the impression people have is sometimes the opposite, but we are and we need to be the biggest supporters of actors. We want you to succeed. And the perception is often the opposite right in a in a great world in where if everything was perfect the first person walking into the room would always be the right actor whoever that person was we do not want to like i think actors feel like we're holding on to parts and we don't want to cast them we just want to hold on to them but no we want to finish our jobs we want yeah, to see the yeah. film going on floor without the stress of like losing your hair because one character hasn't yet been found. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, I almost have this little ready reckoner of things that I look forward to when an actor comes into the room. It, the first is just do the work. When we say do the work, is it's basics. Be on time, learn your lines, bring water, bring a change of clothes and that, that being prepared and doing the work kind of makes you... Have less stress, be more flexible and be in the moment. The second big thing is to listen. Listen, 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 listen. Uh, It's never going to be real if you're not listening or you're acting like you're listening. Because you're just, I can see, we can always see when an actor is waiting to deliver their line.
0: Right. Right? Okay. It's it's the worst. (laughs) The big red flag.
1: Oh my God, I can just see, he's just waiting. Okay, as soon as I'm done, he's going to say, his like, worst. The third, please research. Please research the people you're going to meet. What is the work that they're doing? Who is this casting director or casting agent? And what have they done? If you, the script has a lot of information and all you need to do is kind of like read the lines not just your own but read the other characters lines read the in, the descriptions you will find a lot of things and that will help you right and in in with when you are kind of empowered with that kind of stuff i just feel that you can just be in the scene rather than really trying and performing i think people think that they have to perform a lot in uh, and we don't want you to perform the less we can see of the acting the better it is
0: of course right yeah. right i see yeah.
1: Uh I love somebody who takes risks. Uh, in terms of like, you know, we will always tell people do a wild take, do your version, do whatever it is, and then just be brave and take those risks. Because that that um that actor who's trying to play it safe usually is the least surprising one.
0: I because see. They're just
1: trying to take off everything in the in what I call the most measured way throughout the scene. So take that risk. When you're being given a while, take, completely take that risk. The fifth and one of the most important things, I think, is respecting boundaries. We are friendly, but we're not your friends. You don't need to offer a hug, a this, that, anything to your casting director. I've had enough actors walk in and say that, you know, yeah, it's an aggressive scene, just hit me. No, you do not say that. You have to respect boundaries. You've got to remember. This is a craft. This is a skill. You're not going to be slapping and hitting your co-actor on set. And those are big red flags when, uh, you know, when we see it or when we see someone being needlessly aggressive or like, you know, if we're doing a scene and they hold the reader and they shake someone else up and I will immediately stop and say, you know, that's not how you're going to do it. You're going to be, you know, one, three feet away and, and do the scene and you're not touching anybody in the scene. And boundaries also mean, from our side, consent. Like, if I'm even going to put my hand on your shoulder, and I love this about the youngest associates in the team, because I feel like when you've you've grown up, uh, say, you know, even if you, if you were born in even the 80s and 90s, it's not instinctive for us to ask, hey, are you all right with me uh, putting my hand on your shoulder? It's just not. It's not something we were taught. So we are learning to do that now. But my youngest, like the ones who are like 18 and 19 or 20, 21, they just instinctively have that. Where before, you know, they will be like, listen, in the course of the scene, I might put my hand on your shoulder. Are you okay with that? If you're not, just let me know. And I'm always blown away by that. But understanding boundaries, understanding that it's a craft. And uh, also knowing that when we're in the room, the room, the scene, and this space, is the only thing that's important. The more you do chit-chat, the more you look for validation, the more time you'll waste and the less time you'll give to that scene and potentially probably doing it 10 different ways. And I think the worst question that any actor can ask a casting director is at the end of it all was like, "Was it good? Uh, Do you think that, you know, like, what do you think? And I'm never going to let someone leave the room thinking they did badly. I'm only going to let you leave believing and thinking that you did the best job you could. Because the last thing I want is someone to leave feeling like they're broken. And this is the worst person I ever met, because I do expect you to keep working on your craft. I do expect you to keep learning and, and keep coming back.
0: Right. So contrary to popular belief, casting directors really are trying their best, or at least when they're doing it right to make the actor's dream come true, as opposed to killing it. Yeah. Okay. And so when you have gone through all the additions, and you're finalizing your casting choices, how do you come to the conclusion that a particular actor will do justice to their role?
1: In our case, I like to give all tapes. And then I give notes to the director sometimes saying that really, this person just couldn't get the notes that because we've kind of as a as a casting director you've had long conversations with your director in terms of what are sometimes we're just looking for like an emotional graph or we're looking for like fierceness you know like how you're looking for certain traits in a character i don't even think we're looking for somebody like me if you nailed the scene in an audition i am very worried because then where do you go from there okay. i'm really worried. you want to an audition is the glimmer. It's the, it's that excitement where you see and you're like, oh my God, did we just see like a little bit of the character? Did you just, didn't, wasn't that exactly how it was written? Yeah, That's what you want. But you don't want someone coming in like absolutely. I mean, then where do you go from there? I'd be really worried. I know it sounds weird, but yeah. I'd be really worried if somebody nailed an audition and then after that, we only saw that and we never saw it grow at all from beyond that point.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because like you said earlier, you want mm-hmm. an actor that showcases a certain degree of malleability, right? Yeah. Okay, and that's got me wondering, have you worked with any directors that involve themselves more closely with the auditioning process, like they're right there with you throughout the whole thing?
1: Oh yeah. But one of my favorite directors that I've worked with is Ramin Barani and he did White Tiger and he was there for every single character we cast didn't matter if you had one line didn't matter if you were holding the whole film on your shoulder and he was always there so the actors were in love with him because they had not ever it's very rare that you receive that kind of attention from a director and you know then you kind of like you what's great is that the vision of the team becomes so sorted like you become you come to a place where i don't need to show certain tapes to them i know that he's never going to like because this is definitely not what the character is. When we reach like a point where we're looking at smaller secondaries and tertiary characters, you kind of get so, so focused in because you've been working on every single character together. And that's brilliant.
0: Yeah. And, you know, on a different note, I wanted to ask you, are there times when the director you're working with rejects much of what you send their way or won't commit or isn't clear about what they want? How do you navigate that?
1: I think 90% of the time also being a casting director is like being a therapist. Okay. I'm I'm serious. And I think that yeah. that's why that, that word couch has to move from a bad word to a really good word. You're the human resources a bit of this entire film. And um, indecisiveness is very common. Not being sure is very common. I think those are the points at which he, as a casting director, it's good to know that you're the personality who's sure. It really helps because a lot of times the indecisiveness is is someone reaching out a kind of lean on somebody who's a little more sure of this. Like the only kinds of indecisiveness I've seen are two. One is when someone doesn't belong, say, to India and has come in and they're not sure because they don't have enough information to be sure. Like they want to do what's right, but they're not sure. As a casting director, you should be sure. The other one I feel is like, I, there are enough times I've, I've done it. I will continue to do it. I don't really think that that part of me will ever change. Is that I look at the lineup of the actors and I'll be like, we've got someone known there. We've got someone who's got a portfolio. Can we just put someone completely new in this role? Like somebody we've never seen before. It would be fun. And we have someone that we all love. What is preventing us from saying yes to this person? That's what I mean by there's a bit of therapy that we all naturally do.
0: Okay, so I'm wondering then, after all that therapy and hard work, have you ever had an actor you thought was great during an audition and you've cast them, but they turn out very, very different on set? If so, how do you deal with that? 100%.
1: I'm not going to name the person. I'm not going to name the film. It was early on in my career. And this whole thing about peeking in the audition room, I learned to Purely because I experienced it. It is not some great sense of Zen wisdom that I have found. It's because it has come and kicked me in the butt. That's the uh-huh. reason that I know. Where an actor was phenomenal, director, myself, producer was super excited. And then I see that film and I'm like, this is just terrible.
0: And there's nothing you can do about it?
1: Nothing. Because you already cast the person. I don't know what it is because it's a different kind of control you need for that. because an actor uh, has done really well, you've praised them, you've kind of told them that, you know, they're perfect. And then they just go on a bit of a tangent, thinking, okay, to make this role great, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do that. And I'm going." And you trusted them in the audition room. So you don't pay heed. This is absolutely me coming from the experience that I had gone through. So you don't pay heed to all these mad things that they are planning in their head. Because you think, like you know whatever it is, we've done the scene, he knows the character, and then he just becomes somebody completely different on site. Yeah. and you and it's yeah. too far gone, you know, so you to rein it in becomes impossible, and i I saw like i'm I'm saying literally like a character in an audition room which made all of us cry, made us wanna kill the person when we did the scene, wow like wow. there was no empathy at all that was created when we eventually did the scene which is just again it's not yeah it's it's just i don't think people may see it as as uh you know as black and white as i do but it, it it was nowhere near the performance he did in his audition.
0: Okay, so to some degree, there's a bit of a gamble involved in the job. And sometimes it pays off and other times, hopefully not a lot, it doesn't. And maybe in that sense, having a good instinct is essential too, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and getting a little bit more technical now, how do you balance casting for budget versus who you think is best for the film?
1: Mm, so... I'm very upfront about it because I think sometimes um, people think that we can just get anybody and everybody for the number they have, and that's not true. Uh, there are times when a project is beautiful, and I will say this is, we do a mix of a lot of indies, um, in highly independent cinema directors who've come to us with just absolutely phenomenal scripts where we know that the budget is super limited but i will you know i will arm arm leg kidney whatever i have to to convince somebody that this role is worth it do it because you know that this film is going to be beautiful at the end of the day and there are uh, there's a huge bunch of actors who get it there's a huge bunch of actors who Cannot say yes to things like that because they also have to live their lives and run their homes. Of course. In an industry and a city which is crazy expensive at the end of the day. So I respect both. I also completely respect the actor who is on a high, making a shitload of money, saying that I want to get X or I will not do this role. I completely, respect, because that is also short lived. It's not you know, it's not something, especially when you're that niche actor, you know, who suddenly got recognized and got a big break and now everybody wants to put you in their film, that's not gonna last forever. It's a horrible way to put it, but you're the flavor of the year, the month or the next couple of years. And if you have to make the max that you can possibly make on that, go ahead and do it. But we're very upfront. The thing is I think a lot of times producers are not very upfront in sharing the budget for us to know, we get to know much later. And then we're like, why didn't you just tell us we wouldn't have even put this person on tape, or got this person excited about it. So I've seen again on foreign projects, very, very transparent, we know exactly what the budgets are. Um, So you know, even when in the very early stages, when there's kind of like a pitch document of faces and names, you are removing the faces that will not work out. Because it's a proportionally wrong budget. Like, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, take a pay cut. It's another thing to say, like, literally do it for what you made 10 years ago.
0: Okay, I see. And do you ever find that there's pressure to cast a quote-unquote bankable actor?
1: So when we talk about bankable actors, I think there are two ways of looking at it. I think there is a, there is a school of thought that certain actors will ensure that your film sells that people will come to the theater to watch the film. I have not quite understood that at times. The other way I look at a bankable actor is that when someone has a certain portfolio of work, where you know that they have the skill set and they, you know that they can carry off this role, they are bankable for that part. And we need to kind of start differentiating what those definitions are. In the work that I've done, again, I've never had to worry about the bankable actor, oh, we have a star in the role thing. But I have had a lot of times the what I call the classic choices, right? Being told to us often like, oh, you know, I saw him in that. He was really good. Let's use him again. And I'm more than happy to consider that person. But can we also see someone new? Can we also tape one more person or two or three more people for that role? Because wouldn't it be amazing to introduce somebody new to that world instead of seeing the same actors play the same roles over and over?
0: Yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah.
1: So I think that's the difference. When we like there are these two perceptions of what is bankable. And when when I have a lot of directors come from and the beauty is right now indian cinema has gone out and you see it across festivals and your you know netflix has brought the world together and amazon has you know they they've all kind of made the world a smaller place is that they've seen a lot more indian actors you know when a lunchbox did really well there were two three names which became names that everyone asked us for the moment they landed here which is great but they also might before that person became that person You didn't know him. There is one more definitely who can join that list. That's what I think is very important. We've got to make the lists of bankable actors much longer.
0: Right. Yeah, I see. And going in a slightly different direction now, you've worked on a number of great Indian productions like Selection Day and Ye Ballet, as well as a number of foreign productions like the Darjeeling Limited, Lion, Aladdin, Extraction, how do the two experiences differ or are they not really all that different?
1: They're actually quite similar in terms of um, all indie directors, uh, you know, are their their films are their babies. Yeah. They'll never just like say yes. There will always be readings. They'll always yeah. be. I almost think that it's a beautiful mutual testing ground. It's the actor wanting to know the director is is capable of, of managing this beautiful project and the director wanting to know that they can trust this baby with this actor. So those schools of thought are there. When we're doing something, especially like a Ye Ballet, we always kept the essence of the character higher than anything else. So when you look at the two boys who play the leads in it, they don't come with any experience of being actors. They come with tremendous experience of being dancers. And um, we really worked on their acting. We saw the spark in them. And then you, you kind of empower them with the tools and the craft.
0: Okay, right. And you know, I'm curious, talking specifically about the Indian film industry, what do you think is working well here? And what could use some improvement in terms of not only casting, but like the overall quality of our films?
1: So I feel we're in a beautiful place, like we're in this little precipice, which is really great right now, where uh, narratives are becoming more important. Uh, The quality of performance of actors, of the storytelling is preceding everything else. You know, those days of let's just make something and the classic, you know, the classic patriarchal hero who comes in and picks the girl up and sings the seven songs and then... Marries her yes. or, or commits suicide at the end of it all, whichever was the uh-huh. Romeo-Juliet way or the or the other way of doing it. It's going. Yeah. The audience is rejecting it because I do right. think that the audience is becoming more and more open to different uh, kinds of storytelling. I think it's superlatively interesting that you know foreign language series are doing so well. Like Koreans in my in India and Korean series are doing so well in India. Like oh yeah, Like I yes. look at that and I'm like, wow, if you're watching like action on a Korean series as your reference of action now, you're going to look at Indian films and say, hey, what is this nonsense? It's not good enough for you. And I think that it's the audience kind of deciding whether something's not good enough. On the other hand, I think that there's an openness right now across the world where diversity really, really matters. Where we're looking, we're to have more stories and to be more inclusive in the way we, the way we create the the stories we pick, the the talent that we say yes to, and the places that we shoot. That's just become way more inclusive. So that's changing even the narratives that are are there in India. If you ask me honestly, the best storytelling is happening at a regional level. It's not Hollywood. Uh It's Right. Malayalam cinema, Tamil yeah. cinema, you look at Canada, yes. and, and you know, even in the not Punjabi, there are small films being made, which are great in Bengali, Marathi, phenomenal movies being made. So it is regional cinema, which would had taken kind of like a backbench, maybe about even 10 years ago, where nobody was paying attention to it, which has come back to the forefront. And I think that's brilliant. And there will be a convergence that will happen. It's already started. We're seeing remakes of different languages then entering into Bollywood. We're not seeing the reverse happen.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that convergence is already happening and that creates a hopeful situation. But, you know, we were talking a bit about the Me Too movement. And I wanted to ask you the role of the casting director can have a lot of negative connotations to it, which, you know, you've you've negated several times throughout how you approach the job. But knowing this world, knowing those connotations and knowing the horror story surrounding the casting couch, what do you make of it all? And how do you think the casting department, so to speak, could be healthier in India?
1: I think it's uh, not just it's not about casting department. It's about people in positions of power. And it's about the dynamic of power more than anything else. And the reason that women have been subject to it more than anything else is because we have been not in positions of power for the longest time. Historically, that's been the case. Like I was, uh, the moment you mentioned casting, cards, I was trying to think back because when this whole thing came up, I was like, where the devil did this damn term come from? I really want to know. And I remember... And this is something that needs to be probably just checked. Uh, but I remember uh, Mashable doing an article on the history of the word casting couch. And it was, it, well, it's it's come from America. It was, I think, in like 19, 1910, 1915 or 1920s is when that word kind of started becoming popular. And it was the word used for like um, a stag film, like a little uh, a, a com- comedic porn film was called a casting film.
0: Okay, director.
1: I see. That's where it kind of came from.
0: Yeah. And then
1: it just stuck. And I sit and look right. back and I see like, you know, the role of the casting director has been a very recent role. And when I think about the casting couch, I'm going to flip it around because I think the the notion that people have is that, oh, there's a couch in the office and think about all the shit that got done on that couch. I want to talk about the people sitting on that couch. And when, you know, when we talk about the casting couch, who are the people in charge? Who are the people who have the power? And we need to come down to the basics of it. There's a producer, there's a director and maybe the casting director. I don't even think the casting director now probably has a little more power, but didn't maybe back in the day. And it is about the dynamics of power. And it did become that that dynamic of power became sexual favors, became things because you could demand it. We Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. need to do away with this term. And the sad thing is that more than it being a term that I would love it if people use the word casting couch and everybody just got disgusted It was like talking about sexual abuse and you associated it with that. Instead, we laugh. It's a joke. And that's the thing that needs to change because I have no problem with keeping the term, but I would like people to have a violently sick reaction to it. And, you know, then we can use it. Mm So that's the whole thing. But it is about the dynamics of power. I think in all the cases you see of Me Too, at no stage is power not a play in them. And until we change that dynamic where, you know, like this is this whole question about uh, what is fairness and, you know, equality versus equity. And I'm a big fan of equity. If we don't have women in positions of power who are not married to men who are in positions of power, uh, we will not have equity. So we need to change that.
0: dynamic. Right. Well, you know, I think the fact that someone like you, that is someone as considerate and conscious of these issues and how they can be rectified is in a position to help, suggests more improvements to come. Yeah. Okay, and wrapping up here, if you could give your younger self advice about being a casting director or if you could tell that younger self what to be prepared for, what would you say?
1: So if I was... uh... Giving a little bit of advice to my younger self, who did not even know what the word "casting director meant and would not have even known that hobbies from school and college, like learning music, being on stage, you know writing plays, doing debates, being part of the extracurricular activities, and you know it it wasn't some hobby that just got you a medal that these things could all count. I would really like to tell her that nothing goes to waste. It will all, it'll all matter and it will all play a part.
0: Okay. And on that note, I want to close this off by asking you, what is your proudest achievement as a casting director?
1: My favorite moments will always remain when we put something out and someone tells us that, you know, what you did helped, what you shared helped at the end of the day, when you remembered my name and you came and you sat with me and you told us all not to be nervous, that helped. If if we could be doing that, if we could be remembered for a certain amount of compassion, empathy, and nurturing, I think that's much, much better and a bigger legacy to leave behind. And I really think that's the only legacy you leave behind because... A hundred films will come out every year. All the performances which were great last year may not be five years from now. You'll remember one or two of them. But if you if the people that you worked with really remember you because you helped, I think that is the best legacy to leave them.
0: Okay. Well, Tess, thank you for talking to me today and enlightening me on what it means to be a casting director. I feel like I have a much better understanding of the job and also a changed perspective on casting and how, if it's in the right hands, it can be an incredibly rewarding, albeit challenging, and positive experience. So thanks for joining us on the credit roll, Tess. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was our episode with casting director Tess Joseph. And with that, we hope to have you join us for our next conversation. The credit roll
1: is an original podcast by Jaman. The show is hosted by Abhineet Kumar. Producers are Rodayan Bajal and Natasha Rati Kapoor. Editors are Abhineet Kumar, Paras Gurung and Rupni Roy. The artwork is by Siyanathwa Krambam and the theme song is Song of Sadhana by Jesse Gallagher.